Cooking with Christian, the only cooking show where you don't see the food. I'm Christian, and today I'm joined by a new friend, Danny. Say hello. Hey, everyone. Hi. Okay, so um, today, like last episode, we're not making anything. So this is talking with Christian because <laughs> I'm hungover. We're both on over because we went out last night together. I met Danny for the first time yesterday and we hit it off. And I was like, you need to be on the podcast because we were talking about capitalism and like um, how much we hate it and climate change. And I was like, we need to like get together and talk because we have a lot to say. But um, went out yesterday and was, I was like decently hungover this morning. In all honesty. Yeah. Yeah. I just was like, I had a four loco. I like downed a four loco. It was disgusting. And then that did me in. I honestly think it was a four loco above anything else. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. And you guys were drinking um, vodka with iced tea. It just, it felt so reminiscent of high school. Sitting right here. Like what we were drinking, I think, is what made me feel so very... In like my senior year of high school, like, with blue raspberry vodka. I was like, I haven't seen this and you mix in that ages. With the iced tea? Yeah, it's like, I can't imagine that. It was, was. it was one of those things where <laughs> the iced tea it. was so sugary that you couldn't taste the vodka. So you're basically just oh, drinking Snapple, okay. very sugary Snapple. Oh wow! So again, very reminiscent of the high school see, mixologist. You know what? Like, yeah, see, I can't, I can't judge you because I literally cracked open a four loco. I walked down the <laughs> stairs. Danny came. She's a friend of my roommate, Sarah, and um, you are all in grad school together. And I heard you come in, but I was getting ready, like put, putting my outfit on, like, you know, makeup, all that good shit. And um, I walked downstairs and like full regalia and I was like, don't judge me. And I opened the fridge and cracked open a four loco. <laughs> You're like, no, not at all. And I was like, okay, good. I was like, tricky. <laughs> because a couple weeks ago, I wanted to have that high school experience again. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be like, I want to feel like I want to get trashy. I want to get Warren Ohio trashy. And I bought three four locos and this is for Sarah's birthday. I had one. She had one. We didn't even finish them. We made like halfway through. And I was like, this is disgusting. And I'm already drunk. It's like, I don't know what's happening to me, my body nowadays. And then I had, excuse me, I had um, the third one yesterday. Oh, man. I woke up this morning. Yeah, When I'm hungover, I have like a headache in like the back of my head. Okay, and, like it's weird. Yeah. Only when I'm hungover. It's like. Almost my like, what is that part of your brain? The cerebellum the or cerebellum? something? It's like at the like, <laughs> like the base the of my skull, and I'm like, is some primal part of me like has a hangover? <laughs> I woke up, I just laid in bed, and you know, you get like, it's like your stomach is upset, and you're like, I don't know if I'm gonna throw up or if I'm just hungry. And I got to figure this out real quick. Yeah, no, I am. Um, when I woke up this morning, my my cat has been sleeping next to me at mm-hmm. night while my boyfriend's been gone. He's still with his family mm-hmm. uh, for about another week back in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And she usually like cuddles up in her own bed, not like on our bed because it's full yeah. of people. Yeah. But now it's not. So she's like, look at all this yeah. room. And uh, so I'm allergic to cats. I love oh, my cat, but I okay. am pretty allergic to her. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm on my daily regimen of Zyrtec and Flonase. I make it work. Okay. Um, but that's, it's that's been, dedication. Yeah, it's been interesting having her now try to sleep next to my face. Uh, um, you wake so, up like puffy. Yeah. So oh I God. went. I finally made it to bed last night, and mm-hmm. then I wake up this morning, and not only am I hungover with my stomach doing flips i have the cat like right in my face so i wake up and i'm like i'm just gonna lay here like it was one of those moments where you're like i'm just not gonna move like there's nothing to do about this at the moment so i'm just not gonna move i um yeah i woke up and i was like why do you do this to yourself like why do you go out why do we go out why do we do that it's fun in the moment and then you lose a full day the next day. It's true. I don't get it. I mean, I do because I partake. But, like, we we had a good time. We cut a rug. We were dancing. We were having a great time. Um, started off all together, kind of split up, came back together at Union. They played Robin. I love me some Robin. 
I'm dancing on my own for all you girls out there that love that song. And then, cause I started the night listening to that song before I even started drinking. And then they mm. played it at the end and I was like, holy shit, they're playing this song. Uh, full circle. I mean, you it's like a gay it. bar and that's like a, that's like an iconic mm. gay song. So like, of course they're going to play it. And, um, yeah, I, I, um, I fell asleep and I have um, my Build-A-Bears upstairs. This is going to sound creepy, but I'm going to explain. Okay. So, like, um, <laughs> not like I'm obsessed with Build-A-Bear. Um, I've just, like, been there recently for, like, a few different reasons. So, one of my really good friends, um, we went there for her graduation from college for, like, I got her a Build-A-Bear. That's cute. We made Build-A-Bears together because she loved it when she was a kid. So, I was like, oh, Emily, for your graduation, I'm going to make you, we're going to make Build-A-Bears together. And then the second one, they had um, a Snorlax one, the Pokemon Snorlax one. And I texted my other friends who I knew would like that. And I'm like, we should make these together. And we just, like, went and made Snorlaxes. So, I fell asleep to them because they're kind of tucked in, like, my back corner, Right, like, kind of next to my bed against the wall. They're just, like, there. And I was, like, staring them in the eyes as I, like, woke up. I'm, like, I feel like trash. <laughs> so my builder bears are, like, mm, you garbage. You. <laughs> Piece of shit. But, um, no, I, um, I woke up, went and got Tim Hortons and, like, drove around. I don't even like Tim Hortons. I did, there's just no Dunkin' that's, like, in a drive-thru. Mm. And then I had, like, a box of tin bits as I was driving around town. Came back here, and then I went and I went shopping. Ran to like to the mall, and I I needed like a shirt. <laughs> it's like so boring. Went to the thrift store too, mm-hmm. and then I got Chinese food and just like I've been laying in bed because they just put um, RuPaul's Drag Race back on Hulu. Wait, they did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so did. you just took all my free time out of the next couple like of weeks. weeks. Yeah. Like no, because um, it used to be on Hulu. Then they took it off, mm-hmm. and now it's back. And they have season regular seasons one through six, okay. which are the probably the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and then All Stars one and two. Okay. And two is my favorite season of Drag Race ever. All Stars two. And then um, they have um, Untucked, like the the mm-hmm. after show on there. I'm assuming for the same seasons that they have for normal. But like I've never seen season one through three. Because when Hulu used to have it, it was four through seven, mm-hmm. and then All Stars one. But for some reason, I don't know why they don't have seven, eight, nine, and ten, and eleven. I don't know why. It could have something to do it's with probably. if it like switched spots in the day. If there was like a copyright thing. Uh-huh. If there was, there's all these like very weird like things that come along with yeah. primetime television specifically. Yeah, like it can be a different contract and a different set of like having the rights to it. If it used to be Tuesdays at eight p.m. and then it switches to like Wednesdays at eight p.m. That's true. So also, it could have just been a weird thing. I also assumed it's because. Drag Race moved from Logo to VH1, mm. but they did that in season nine. So why wouldn't they have like seven and eight? I don't know. You know what? Yeah. I'm thankful because I really love the first seven seasons a lot and season one. So I'm starting at season one, one, like way back. It's mm-hmm. like brand new. Oh my gosh. It's fascinating. I don't think I've ever seen season one. Not a lot of people have because they, yeah. it, it's called like the lost season because they just like don't air it really. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm watching that. Um, I started All Stars 2 again this morning. Sarah watched an episode with me. And even even she, who I don't know if she's seen it before, the show. But obviously everyone knows about it. Yeah. Because it's, like, famous now. But, like, she was, like, well, she obviously is going to win. Like, she's sitting there. She's, like, oh, that was bad. Like, watching the <laughs> show. And I was, like, okay. Because like, it's so easy to love. Like, it was, it I think, it was the first summer that I was dating Jonah. I lived kind of in this we like to call it a little commune because mm-hmm. we had like a specific set of friends that all lived yeah. at like our college in the summers and we all like lived together basically. Mm-hmm. And we did this every break every year. Mm-hmm. And so we all would live in these like apartment style housings, but yeah, like yeah. across the hall from each other. So like okay. one night someone made pasta sauce and then everybody had it. Like it was, it was yeah, very much like a commune sort of setup. Yeah, it's like a, um, yeah, and we are true. terribly codependent at this point in our lives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, because you're in college. You yeah. yeah. Um, but that summer, uh, Jonah had never seen Drag Race before. And I was like, okay, well, this is like a travesty, so we need yeah, to watch them. We need to watch them. I've never somewhat seen someone love something so intensely so quickly. Okay. He yeah. loves it so much. He talks about it all the time. He's His favorites, like, he got so Who's his favorite? into it. Does he have a favorite queen? Jinx Monsoon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Who's your favorite queen? Same. <sighs> 
I like I go back and forth. So I love love Jinx. Mm. However, I feel like you just you can never forget Bianca. Bianca Del Rio. That's true. My favorite is Katya. Oh, okay. She's my favorite. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. She's hilarious. I love her podcast. Her podcast is amazing. Mm. Like, she's... Because season seven was the first season I ever watched. Because I was in college, and it was on Hulu. And, excuse me. (coughs) I I was seeing someone. They think I was going out on dates with someone. And he liked Drag Race. I was like, I'll watch it. And I watched season seven first. And everyone hates season seven. Really? But I loved it. Because I guess it's my first. I just have a nostalgia thing. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it in reverse. So I did seven, six, five, and four. All like mm. reverse chronological order. And like Katya always stood out to me. I love her. But like Drag Race now, I have very like contentious view, like views and feelings on it. Just because mm-hmm. of like... Not super crazy about, like, RuPaul as a person. And a lot of, like, been coming out about, like, kind of, like the drama behind the scenes. Of, yeah. Like, what they go through. Yeah. And then um, I just think the show is kind of panders a little bit. Once it went to VH1, mm. and that's more of, like, a straight audience rather than, like, a gay audience. It kind yeah. of, like, I felt like the tone switched to more of, like, a we're performing like gayness for like what we mm-hmm. think straight people want to see. No, that's fair. I think like something I noticed as like the seasons progress, I haven't seen every season. Mm. Um, and a lot of seasons I like forget which queen was actually which season because mm-hmm. they blur so much they blur in my together. mind. They really do. Um, but I noticed there was a, it went from like campiness being very celebrated. I feel like in the early seasons mm-hmm. to it kind of getting, a lot more focused on being kind of more fishy, like as yeah. as you progress. And that's not something I necessarily I disliked, more... but I feel like yeah. camp is such a cultural and like the important yeah. part of yeah. drag. Which is another reason I hated that the Met Gala was like camp this oh, past I year. I loved that theme. I thought I people did it, it so poorly. I mean, I'm well, really judgmental though with these kinds of things. I, but... I think some people really did such an amazing job, and it was all the queer people. Did the best, yeah. obviously. No, that's true. Yeah. And, like, um, when they announced the theme, I was like, oh, boy. This could go either. This could either be, like, mm-hmm. a great Met Gala or horrible. And I was pleasantly surprised. I think even if someone didn't really follow the theme, it's not like they – I feel like um, they just decided, like – oh, I know I'm not going to do a good job, so I'm just going to, like, fade into the background and let mm-hmm. other people do a better job. Yeah. Instead of, like, almost putting it through a lens of, like, um, like a disrespectful, like, oh, it's camp, so I'm just going to show up and look stupid. And yeah. Like, but, like, um, I talked about that. <laughs> I talked about the Met Gala for, like, a month after it happened. Because <laughs> I was literally like, here's what I would have worn. Here's what, mm-hmm. like, I would have dressed up as, and blah, blah, blah. But um, there was just too much, I think, from, like, my opinion, a lot of people who did fade into the background, you know, the outfits that got talked about more, like, they were yeah. the better ones. Yeah. But some of those that did feedback, like, slapping feathers on a dress does not make it campy. Oh, I know. Like, like things like that. I was just yeah. kind of like, mm, you really, but like, you like, missed the mark. You were treating it more like a checklist well, than, like, because I know they were going through notes on camp, and that was kind yeah. of their, like, guide. Yeah. But, I don't know, I had I, opinions. <laughs> I read something on a post online that was um a stylist for a lot of people going to the gala was talking about it and they and he or she i I can't remember they said like a lot of the stars going are afraid of the theme they were like they were like a lot of them quote unquote just want to look pretty and were too intimidated with camp because you're overthinking it you're overthinking Mm. it like Camp is not about looking stupid. It's about no. looking clever. And, like, yeah. you can be still be pretty even though you're, like, kind of um, raising eyebrows. So, like, I thought of a costume I would have wanted to wear. I would have shown up in, like, a sequin – not sequin. Not sequin like, rhinestoned bath, like, silk robe. And then have my head – like, have a – equally rhinestone towel head wrap on my head and then a rhinestone or jewel encrusted um clutch that looked like a shampoo bottle and looked like i just got out of the shower yeah and went to the met 
Because it's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I just got out of the shower and just decided to show up. Exactly. And it's, like, clever, but it's mm-hmm. still, like, in my mind, obviously. Like, <laughs> would have been, like, a pretty costume. Yeah. But, or, um, you know, I was, like, looking up fashion designers and, like, their pieces. And I read another post that said <clears throat> the reason why a lot of people don't, quote, unquote, look that good for these themes is that all the good outfits are on display in the Met. Like, mm. They're like, because they use costumes yeah. to display the theme. So obviously like the best ones, because you know, for the Met Gala, like you're invited by a fashion house. Mm-hmm. So the fashion house like buys a table yeah. at the gala or like an organization or something buys a table. And then you get invited by that fashion house and then you have to buy a ticket. So you have to wear like the fashion house. Typically you have to wear who invited you. Yeah. So then that also restricts you. Cause like, what if you get invited by, a house that's not really that campy because mm-hmm. like you saw like people who were invited by like Versace or Moschino or like Mugler looked campy because yeah. those are campy designers as opposed to someone who's invited by like Burberry who like does plaid yeah it's like you know no that's definitely a fairness something that I thought was really interesting reading like reactions to the Met Gala and kind of noticing it myself was the Kardashians at the Met Gala right so like Kardashians eat hate that you always have to talk about them, but you do. And I actually loved the outfits. And the thing about it was, I think especially Kim with that like crazy cinched waist. She got Mugler out of retirement to make that for her. Like I really think if you think about camp kind of as this like performance play on what should be normal. Exaggeration. Like the Kardashians are almost what camp is just campy. normally. Like, they're very campy. So I feel like that very exaggerated, like, female form of, like, the Kim Kardashian yeah. form in and of itself was camp. Yeah. So get, bringing it to that heightened level with, like, very cinched waist. Mm-hmm. I also thought the, met, the, like, wet look was absolutely I gorgeous. I think it looked, it looked great. And then there was Tweedledee and Tweedledum, a.k.a. Kendall and Kylie, who mm-hmm. I personally really liked those outfits. Those dresses with, like, the mm-hmm. orange and the purple one. Someone thought they looked like the evil stepsisters from Ella Enchanted. <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of funny. I hope yeah. that was what they were going for. But I thought they looked very beautiful, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked um, Dua Lipa. She went in mm. Versace and she looked, that was amazing. It was like green and purple, like this scarf print kind of thing. I don't know, I can't even explain it. You just have to like Google it. Mm-hmm. I'm about to Google it. Um, <laughs> This is great for like a audio, thing, yeah. But you know, whatever. <laughs> it's very Joe Rogan esque. Gonna show yeah. pictures that no one can see. Yeah, I'm just like you guys can Google it with me. Google now while we're talking about it. But she went in this. Our Wi-Fi is horrible. Mm. Like Spectrum, I'm looking at you. But she like went in that. Which I thought is fun. Like, that is I very looked fun. at her hair. This is so 60s. Yeah, very 60s. Um, who else? I, it's been so, it was so many months ago. I like, yeah, can't it remember. It was like, such a blur. Um, there was like one person, I know I reblogged a post on Tumblr with like a, a super like set of like mm-hmm. someone's favorites, and I agreed with a lot of it. Yeah. Um, oh, um, Casey Musgraves, I thought was beautiful she dressed mm. up like a barbie doll yeah and i thought that was really pretty well because moschino designed a barbie doll for the gala it was called like the met barbie mm. and she dressed up as that doll yeah and i thought that was brilliant i thought mm-hmm. that was fun i don't know i have fantasies about going to the met gala all the time like yeah. i like that it would be like such a dream and like um i've had dreams about literal dreams about like <laughs> going to the met gala and like looking fabulous but um i don't know i i like how it brought the idea of camp to like a star level like making a lot of these like heterosexual stars like think about camp Mm -hmm. in their own context because like camp's kind of everywhere when you think about it no it is i i feel like when especially when it was first announced i had a lot of fear about that being it though because you also didn't want like I don't know, someone who spends their whole career being super heteronormative, never really breaking boundaries, then coming into camp and claiming like, oh, look at me, really understanding the community this is for. And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know, you dressed up for a night. like." But then on the flip side, I got mad at people who 
almost had like a free like a ticket to do it big and didn't take it because mm. like Rami Malek who was in Bohemian Rhapsody yes. showed up in just like a suit a suit a suit and I yeah. was like you played fucking Freddie Mercury and you're not gonna like do it up like yeah. how dare you I actually got very mad at that yeah no if it's a Met Gala where Harry Styles did it better than and him. And he didn't even do it. And he didn't well. even do it. Like, he did right. it fine. I mean, but it was better. Very controversial like, to all my straight women listeners. I'm sorry, but like Harry Styles looked fine. But like, it, I think it really says something to the straight men who go to the Met Gala where it's like they always hyper fixate on like one guy who maybe put like mm-hmm. one like you know, jewel on his costume and immediately yep. everyone's like, oh my God, he hit the theme. And He's it's because all the boundaries. other men Yeah, everyone just wears a suit. suit. It's annoying. It really I is. liked Frank Ocean though because he dressed up like a security guard. Mm, that was that funny. Was funny. That was See, very that was funny. But like, because um, I think back to back they've had the best themes. Like, because last year mm. was... um. Last year's the Catholicism, Catholicism one, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god, how someone didn't dress up like Saint Sebastian with arrows sticking out of their bodies mm. and like just a loincloth on?" That's what I would have done. I need to go to this fucking. <laughs> the thing is, I don't have twenty five thousand dollars to buy a ticket. Yeah, it's a that's, little, a little up there. It's a little up there. And like, have you seen the documentary on it? No. They have a documentary on Hulu called "The First Monday in May," and it's um, documenting the China through the Looking Glass here. With Rihanna with that big long gold mm, coat. Yeah. And it's a documentary of them like planning it. It's very worth a watch. That definitely sounds like, cool. That's another point about this past year that there was no Rihanna. I was just like, yeah, oh, this really could have been it. She could have been it. Yeah. Like, but then also I feel like it was smart for her to take this year off because I think like she knew. Mm-hmm. Like what if I drop – like if I don't like do it up to what yeah. everyone wants me to. Like she stopped at like the top. She didn't mm-hmm. go to last year's either. Did she? No, she did. No, she did. She, she did. She like hit the Pope. Like, yeah. I think she took this year off because she knew that this, because I think she has, a lot, she has a lot of gay fans. And so I think she mm. was probably like, holy shit, I have so many like gay fans. And this is a gay theme, like a queer theme. Yeah. Like if I don't even have, like, if I have one less rhinestone on my costume, they're going to read me the house down. Yeah. And I don't want that, so I'm going to take the year off, which yeah. I think was smart. Lana wasn't at this one, I don't believe. I didn't. I didn't see her. I don't anywhere. think she was at it. Um, you know, she was at the years previous, and I loved her her angel mm-hmm. wing like headdress. I thought that was really nice. That would have actually fit in this. So yeah. I think too. I love that. But um, no, camp really is kind of like everywhere. It's always been around. Like mm-hmm. I was watching um, Rosemary's Baby yesterday. Oh, I watched that super recently too. Yeah, because it's on Hulu now. Yeah, and, like. It wasn't that scary. It no. was campy. Mm-hmm. Like, it was kind of campy where she's, um, you know, walking up, spoiler alert, like, walking up in the end with that knife and all the Satanists are in the apartment. And they're like, oh, well, like, she's like, what have you done to my baby? She's, like, screaming. And they're like, oh, shut up. Like, yeah. And I'm just like, this is kind of campy. And yeah. she's like, you know, um, they're like, hail, saying hail Satan and, like, God mm-hmm. is dead. And I'm like, in the 60s, that was probably terrifying. Yeah. Now I'm like, okay, like that's another kind of Tuesday. Funny. Cool. Like, yeah. Like, cool. Yeah. Whatever. But like, um, I changed the ending in my in my head today because I was like, really? you know what she should have done? You know, she had that knife and she went up in the very end. She's rocking the cradle. Mm-hmm. She should have had the knife still in her hand and went like, boom, and like killed him, and yeah. then the movie would have cut. Here's the thing: I don't know if back in the sixties that would have flown. Killing the baby, like killing probably, baby. Even probably though not. Like, even though it's Satan, even though it's like the child. Antichrist. Yeah, but I still feel like that would have been like a lot for like a '60s audience of like, yeah. or just like stabbing like a baby. Yeah, <laughs> but you wouldn't see the baby. Like, you would. There's just also see a second book. You know how there it's is. based off a book. There's it a is. second is book. The like, second there's book the an ending. No, yeah, it's very similar, but uh, unrelated series. You know, the author of the original book, like he wrote. A second yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was an ending. We ended up looking it up afterwards because we were like, this is not the end. Like, what yeah. happens to yeah. the Antichrist? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they have this, like, entire kind of sequel to it, which I'm surprised I don't think has been, like, made into I a movie. I don't think so either. Um, I think out of respect for how good Rosemary's Baby was probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know. Just, like, I feel like that again you got to contextualize it in the his- in history it's like for that time like a movie mm-hmm. about a woman who gets raped by the devil yeah and isn't pregnant with the antichrist a sequel probably would have been i feel like roman polanski mm, 
feel like Roman Plinsky probably was like, I'm going to like just go yeah. out while I'm on the top. Like, exactly. let's just not like push this any yeah. further, which I think is smart. What happens in the second book? So if I, I remember, like if I remember correctly, um, he like grows up this antichrist character and he um Mm. rosemary ends up being checked into like some like mental institution and she Mm -hmm. like forgets something or falls into a coma something where she's not in the picture for a long period of time and then she wakes up and as she wakes up it's the end of days like led by her child Mm -hmm. um and so she comes back and tries to like convince him of like his humanity and things like that and i i can't remember if Oh, and then in the end, um, I think she's, like, not able to stop end of days or something like mm. that happens. She gets dragged down to hell to, like, <laughs> live with the fa- like the father. Um, and oh. then she wakes up. <gasps> oh, my God. So it was, like, a... Apparently, they pull the cop out. It was all a dream ending at the like end of the second all of it was all a dream? Of all of it, like, having a baby with the aunt? With, yeah, with the, like, the entire thing. Ugh. Isn't that the worst? <sighs> Yeah, but also, like, yeah, that is the worst. It's, like, that was so common, I feel like, back it really in was. the last century. It, it was, was. Like, such a common thing. I feel like it's because people couldn't commit. I'm going to throw that out there. I feel like if that's the ending People something, don't really want to yeah. be, like, I wrote a Satanist book. Exactly. And having, like, a Satanist ending. They're, like, it was all during Just Kidding, haha. Like, yeah. blah. But, like, um, I don't know, because to me it's, like, a very feminist, like, movie of just, mm-hmm. like, a woman trying to um, subscribe to, like, the normative life that she believes should be laid out for her, mm-hmm. but then having it all go wrong but still trying to, like, hold on to those shreds of, like, normativity. Yeah. Because, you know, she wants – she's married. She wants to get pregnant mm-hmm. and have a family. But her husband sells her out to the devil. She gives birth to the Antichrist, and she's kind of almost, like, forced into taking care of him. Yeah. And, but – at the end where she's smiling and rocking the thing, I'm like, you're rationalizing this in your mm-hmm. head. You're like, I still have a baby. Yeah. It's like for that time, I think this is like a very like feminist movie, like very womanist. And like, I don't know. I feel like to have it all be a dream. It's like, have her kill the baby. I wanted yeah. her to kill the baby in the end. Like I wanted her to be like, no, bam, with like the knife. It almost reminds me, you saying that ending of, um, so I don't know if you, if you watch American Horror Story at all. I have seen like, I think one season yeah. full. I unfortunately have seen every season because I'm just committed at this point. I, I can't I stop. Most, it's one of those things. I, yeah. yeah, where like the first season, the first time they did it, I was like, wow, this is so different and good. And then every yeah. season after that has kind of sucked. But yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm roped in. Like, I yeah, gotta you know. Have to do it. Um, and certain seasons are better than ra- others. And last season with apocalypse right mm-hmm. with like yep. the antichrist and they run him over yeah they <laughs> yeah, wrap yeah. everything up yeah of so, course i know the memes of it but i've yeah. never seen it yeah so i actually they just put it up on i think i think it was netflix so i just i always wait for it to come on netflix yeah i've i haven't had cable forever uh, yeah no, <laughs> not worth it no, um no. so i just finished watching it and it's funny that you say like oh like just like try to kill the baby because they like do go back and just like kill yeah. this dude they're like okay well we're just yeah, gonna murder yeah, you yeah, yeah. and i mean obviously then also spoilers it's been out for a while it's but for um a year, guys. yeah <laughs> uh so there's like a different antichrist born at the end you find out like a different baby is now just the antichrist mm-hmm. and like you can't stop it like end of times is inevitable well yeah yeah um, yeah um and I, there were some really fun parts of like how they did it in this last season i will say i think apocalypse is like not up there as like a top season for me, but there are certain things I liked about it. See, I watched Coven all the way through. That's a pretty good one. Coven is can't again, it's campy. Like no, I'm watching yeah, it. That's, it makes that's their thing. It starts off, and I feel like this is the thing that everyone says about American Horror Story. They always start out really strong and then mm-hmm. just fly off the rails. They lose their shit. And they like unravel. Yeah. Because Coven had like one solid storyline. They're trying to find the next Supreme. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into like the voodoo priestess story and then the axe man story mm-hmm. and then the supreme story but then these people die and then they get brought back to life but then they get brought it's just like ryan murphy just keep it all in one like just keep one plot line mm-hmm. because like pose if you've seen pose is ryan murphy show i've never seen it oh it's really good and yeah. they have multiple storylines but they're all like, they are all fleshed out enough, and they all kind of still take place in the same insular group of, like, four or five characters. Okay. Where, like, 
I feel like American Horror Story has like 20 characters each. They get off the rails. No season more than the second season, Asylum. I will put that at the bottom of my list. Really? Always. People don't agree with People me a lot of the time. Asylum. I thought it was the worst oh. put together season you I've are ever such seen. A for me. <laughs> so, like, like, I don't like the thing. Um, okay, we're going to take a really short break, aka like a minute to reset, and then we will be back to chat more about um, Amp. Okay, we are back. We just lost one segment because Anchor coming for you. You need to invest more in your desktop and you deleted the second segment. So this is technically the second segment part two. Ugh, we had so much good stuff right? on that, that one. was so good. We had a lot about, like, toxic masculinity right. and the role of social media. Maybe they deleted it because it was just, like... It was too good. They were, like, they're... I wouldn't be surprised if, like, a red dot flew up on my head and, like, it took me out. We're talking. <laughs> we're getting too deep. We talked... Basically, to recap what we talked about before it got deleted, we spoke about, um, you know... Old movies, 80s movies, toxic masculinity and media and social media. And right now we were discussing um, prevalence of social media and what we would like to see it move into. I am a huge proponent for um, people just getting the hell off social media now. And I'm hoping in the future that we just see that it's not necessary anymore. I think it started off with really good intentions, as I think the internet did start off with really good intentions. And it's just like when you um, when you introduce humanity into anything created, it's automatically gonna fuck it up. So. Yeah, I mean, there was no way anyone could have predicted what the internet has become, what social mm. media has become. I think honestly, I think there were a lot of think pieces back in like the late '80s, early '90s about what the internet would turn into, and I think a lot of people were talking about like we're just going to be too interconnected. We're going to know too much about each other. And like, there's no privacy anymore. Not even just getting your data mined by these websites. Literally no one has privacy anymore. Like everyone shares everything. The thing is, is I kind of like being interconnected. I have had a lot of friends move out of the state and into new lives, but I don't ever feel like they're gone Mm -hmm. because I'm like, I see your posts we text all the time. Yeah. Like, no one's ever truly gone as opposed to, like, a hundred years ago where someone moved. It was like, well, like... You're dead to me. Bye. bye. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I'll never see you again. Mm-hmm. But now with, like, the internet and especially social media, it's, we just stay interconnected. And I think that's baseline kind of a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of leads to this environment of um, no one can get a... No one can make mistakes anymore. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I said in the segment that was deleted, um, like I'm not excusing bigotry and misogyny and homophobia and all that, all that terrible stuff. But you know, when someone says one wrong thing nowadays, if that's it, they're done. Yeah, it's like no, it's a very like gotcha culture. Yeah, which has it's what it's become when there's just this kind of oversharing of yeah. information, and it's interesting to bring up like personal data and not having privacy because I feel like. I don't know, maybe I'm just not as concerned as I should be about some of these things. Yeah. But my opinion is kind of like, unfortunately, and this might not, again, chaotic energy, right? Chaotic energy coming from me. I think if you don't kind of take the initiative to be an analytical thinker to the point that you can't question what's ever put in front of you oh, on yeah. the internet, oh, I mean, then naturally. it's kind of on you. Like, and don't get me wrong, I know there are a lot of like access to information problems. There are people who are brought up in families that are very like like block out a lot of outside information to raise people in a specific view. There's yep. the poverty plays a huge role. There's how much time are you spending actually that you can seek this information or are you working sixty hours a week? Like there is mm-hmm. a lot that goes into people being able to access information to become analytical thinkers. Is your yeah. public school underfunded? Is there all these yeah. all these issues that I'm very well aware that go into yeah. this? However, I think the internet is so fantastic in so many ways that it is kind of just like the world's largest library. Oh, and if yeah, you completely. if you make the conscious choice to be like ignorant to be ignorant and to not ever read someone else's point of view on something or to not ever read into that's your fault at the end of the day you're basically playing like 
king to your own peasant where you're like toil in the fields you're not allowed mm-hmm. to learn to read and it's like yeah. no you totally can and mm-hmm. i i agree i think in our day and age for most people it is just willfully um ignoring things or just choosing it's active choice which mm-hmm. like um I've always thought, like, wouldn't it be so crazy if one day we woke up and the internet was just, like, gone? Or, like, you know, what if all this was just done? Oh, that'd be so bad for everything I do for work if there was no uh, internet. Half of my life is just, like, internet-based databases. I mean, mine is, like, like <laughs> literally all my docs are online. Yeah. But, like, that would be so crazy if, like, um, it was just all gone. We didn't have access to that anymore. And I think a lot of people would really feel that mm-hmm. just like on a, on a basic, like humans are naturally just very curious. Mm-hmm. And like having all this info is like so helpful. And I think so interesting um, to have. And I think if it was all gone one day, I think a lot of people will be like, Oh shit. Like we have to go back to being like, Oh, it would be a travesty okay, no, if like, <laughs> yes, if, if being yeah. able to communicate information the way we can was gone, it would be absolutely detrimental setback. Oh yeah. D- like decades and decades and decades. Like, oh, at least we, back uh, to blow us back to like the eighties. <laughs> it'd be, yeah. it'd be absolutely like absolutely horrible. I also think about it like on, on a research scale, right. For like scientific research for things mm-hmm. like that. I mean, I access everything through the internet, all the papers I'm reading to base experiments off of how you kind of disseminate scientific information across the entire mm-hmm. world. Like this is all very internet based. Yeah. And I'm sure that's for a lot of different professions. Like there's yeah. no way we'd have the communicative nature of like global collaboration and things like that mm-hmm. if we didn't have the internet. Yeah. So there's so much that would be lost without it that I think at this point history very far outweighs the consequences yeah. of having it. Yeah. Um, I think at this point it's just too intertwined. Yeah. Like we we need the internet we need it. We can't mm-hmm. escape it. It's done. Like it's here to stay. Yeah. It's never going. I would love, I would love a Renaissance with the, the internet of a more humanist approach to it mm-hmm. in the future where we realize that we're all just people. Mm-hmm. I think um, the internet, it's a weird culture where people don't, you'll be sitting on the internet and reading someone's stuff and you almost don't register that this was a person or is a person that's alive and breathing with their own problems. They're just like this Mm -hmm. little icon in the corner and just a digital page. And Mm -hmm. you're like, ow, that person sucks. They should go die when it's like, this is an actual person. And like, if this was your friend writing it, you wouldn't be saying that because you know them in real life. And I would almost love a humanist like Renaissance with the internet where we realize that it's a human creation, a human hive like we're Mm -hmm. all there together as people living in this moment together um flesh and blood making mistakes doing good things and we realize that um just because you don't see them in person doesn't mean they're not there or existing Mm -hmm. and again not excusing terrible people no but um i think definitely like kind of making the internet um like, uh, just more human, just like mm-hmm. we're all g- compassionate. It's like a compassionate, a I think, is definitely space. the better word because I feel like, I mean, the tale as old as time, right? Is like, what's the nature of humanity? Like, what does what would being human mean? What does yeah. something based in humanity mean? Ugh. Because oh, that could be awful. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like there's yeah. so many awful aspects of what humans are capable of doing to each other, to the oh, planet, yeah. to absolutely anything they come across, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think moving moving towards an area to bring it back to, I don't know if I said this on this, I'm really close to the mindfulness yeah, aspect. Mindfulness, yeah. um, as I think culturally more and more people are open to moving into a more mindful area. Not in the yeah. sense that anyone's got to meditate every morning or oh, rub yeah, their no. essential oils all over their body. <laughs> like, it, like I am like that person. <laughs> Not the essential oils part, but definitely um I was like um meditating Friday and mm. I, it was very intense and I mm-hmm. loved it and I I wish more and more people would have those moments of just like quiet clarity where you're just sitting with mm-hmm. yourself and like just dissecting and um, sifting through what's been going on instead of sitting on your phone or sitting on your computer Mm -hmm. for hours and hours and hours, basically dissolving yourself into this like highway Mm -hmm. or this like river 
instead just sitting on its banks and dipping your feet in every now and again, mm-hmm. which is why I, I would love in future decades. And we talked about this in the last segment um, about how now that we're becoming more climate conscious and environmentally conscious, conscience, con- can't speak today, <laughs> uh, conscious. I hope that we look at the internet and go, this is just like a made up thing. Mm-hmm. That's not really physical. We need to kind of take breaks and like, yeah. I think honestly, probably, I'm not going to lie. This might be a hot take. I think the internet was like, has had such an effect on like our climate politics because, or such a damaging effect. Cause when we're all sitting in our rooms on phones and mm-hmm. laptops, we're not really seeing what's going on outside. Oh, exactly. No, I agree a hundred percent. So I came when I grew up, I'm from a very like mountainy woodsy town. So mm-hmm. all you did was go outside. Like the, yeah. we, we were a resort town I'm from Vernon, New Jersey. If anyone knows where hey. that is. Um, so being a resort town with our really shitty hill of ice, but still a resort, you know, mm-hmm. um, Everything was about outside. Like, if you worked that winter, men, like, was dependent on how good the winter was. Um, If, like, rides could run during the water park, if we could Mm -hmm. open up, like, the mountain biking trails in the fall, if we were able to throw events at the venues, this was all so dependent dependent on the environment. environment. And not only that, but, like, there was nothing to do in that town. Like, Mm -hmm. our closest mall was, like, 35, 45 minutes away. Like we were mm-hmm. in the, we just got a Taco oh, Bell so like two years ago. Really? Yeah. So we wow. were like really like nowhere. See, I was like, um, where I'm from Northeast Ohio, it's very like, um, <laughs> decrepit industrial. Mm. Like I was a mall rat kid cause mm-hmm. the mall was two minutes away from my house. <laughs> I'm like mall rat kids. So like, um, we were very much the opposite of what you're speaking on. Like we were internet kids. We didn't do a lot outside because there wasn't a lot of nature, nature, like Mm -hmm. to be outside. And I think like that is, I'm speaking on this idea that the internet kind of set back our, our climate politics. Oh, entirely. You know, and even what's happening with Greta Thunberg right now, where you're, is that, that's her last name, right? Thunberg? I think so. Yeah. Um, Greta, hey girl, um, you're doing great things. But it's kind of funny. I have this weird cognitive dissonance where I'm sitting and watching her videos online and I'm like, I'm sitting in my bedroom. I should be like out there doing something. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like watching this, like how old is she? Like 14. She's young. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's really young. It's wild. Like watching other people talk about the environment. And it's like, I should be doing this too, mm-hmm. but I'm not really out there. Like, yeah. Cause I'm in here. Yeah. No, there's definitely this, it's really interesting that we brought this up because I was talking with uh, my boyfriend about this super recently mm-hmm. about how I believe access to nature should be a fundamental right oh, yeah. for people who don't live in like naturally like very like luscious I guess areas. We yeah. were um, we were doing a hike in the morning before his cousin's wedding, mm-hmm. um, and so we'd like gone up to see this beautiful view of like the Lake District in England. It was mm-hmm. absolutely like incredible, right? And so we're coming down and we're talking about our disbelief that other people aren't more invested in protecting this, aren't more. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I I feel like I can kind of understand where some people come from because we had yeah. this program in Vernon where since it was like, you know, a ski resort or they would have in the summers like these like birds of prey shows. We were also on the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. Um, so that ran straight through the town. And they had programs where kids from Manhattan or like other cities would, would be come. bussed out into yeah. the woods and like spend a little bit of time there. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how many like – you see in the eyes of people that their fundamental views of their place in the world changes when you spend that time like in nature, understanding how intertwined it is with everything, like everything that you're a part of. Because if you're taken, you can't expect people to care when they're taken out of that cycle. Like people need to understand that as a species, we exist so, 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 so intertwined with the natural systems Absolutely. around us. But it doesn't feel that way when you're in the middle of Manhattan and oh, everything. Of it doesn't even like, feel that way when, um, so growing up um, where my house is back home, um, there's woods behind the house. And I used to like traverse the little woods. And mm-hmm. even then I'm like, that was like really special to me, even mm-hmm. though it's not like this this like scenic mountain trail. It's just a little carved path through like a three acre wood, but I'm still getting that experience of like walking in Mm -hmm. to something that I deep down within myself am a part of. Yeah. And like humans have a really good ability of taking them out of 
taking themselves out of what's actually their environment Mm -hmm. or just suppressing it. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, it's this weird thing. Um, There's this documentary series on Netflix, um, Myths and Monsters, and it talks about like folklore and myths from like typical Europe, which was my only gripe with the show. Cause I was like, there's so much like outside of Europe Mm -hmm. in terms of mythology that I would have liked to have, had them talk about, but whatever. Yeah. And they were talking about um, ancient Greeks' relationship to um, nature, which I think is like really laid down the groundwork for why humans are so shitty when it comes to nature, because they're afraid of it. Like the ancient mm-hmm. Greeks were literally like, the woods were a place of chaos, madness, and danger. They were like, you mm-hmm. didn't hang out in the woods. An ancient Greek person intrinsically feared it, because they were like, and they had myths and myths and myths talking about how dangerous the woods mm-hmm. are. And then you go to like um, Native American folklore or like a war, like a, a, a society that instead of demonizes it, they deify the woods where mm-hmm. it's like, this is a place we live in that we inhabit. You know, we don't have some sprawling metropolis like Athens that we can hide behind a wall. Like yeah. we live there. And of course, like that's obviously has like, especially with like native myth, there's, um, you know, they had cities and shit, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, with, with walls and whatever. But like, it's interesting how, how like um, the European cultures, especially kind of laid down the groundwork of like humanities um, split from nature because yeah. they're afraid of it. They're terrified mm-hmm. of it as opposed to other cultures from across the globe that had respect for it rather mm-hmm. than fear of it. They were like, this is a place that we belong in, but we're not top dog here. Like mm-hmm. we could get killed just like any other animal Yeah, where I feel like Europeans especially have spent their laid down that groundwork and spent all that time trying their hardest to conquer it. Mm -hmm. And that's what kind of screwed everything up. Well, yeah, I feel like humans as a species are what's referred to in environmental science as an environmental engineer. Mm -hmm. So it's something as simple as like a beaver is considered an environmental engineer species because they build dams. Like it's any species that will actively change the environment around them so that it's more favorable to them, Um, which is a lot of different species. There's a ton of environmental engineers. The thing is is that those species – work with the environment mm-hmm. to the benefit of it all yeah. where we will just pave over everything mm-hmm. with rock and stone no exactly just get rid of it exactly entirely. so as like an environmental engineering species when that disconnect was made between like man and nature when we were believed to be well now we i would argue that we are like the apex predator of the world oh we have i been. mean we we have been for a quite a while while. now um yeah i mean except maybe mosquitoes i don't know well they don't really like a mosquito (laughs) itself is not out to kill no no no. it's it's not instinctually trying to kill anybody it has diseases that kill people but it's not itself killing yeah yeah um but yeah (laughs) tangent tangent off mosquitoes don't serve any purpose by the way they're just they're they're stupid they really don't do anything and lilo and stitch where they tried to save the world by saying that it was like the only place where mosquitoes live. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Weekly. Anyway. Like, yeah, no, it was very cute. Um, but I feel like as environmental engineers, we became so prolific at that that it gave us that kind of conscious bias that we were above it. Yeah. That because like, we, we could alter it. So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And oh I gosh. think that has a lot now like in modern day that we're kind of, I think starting to like as societies regain this level where we're like, okay, well we are a part of the system because the things we've created, we've seen them falling to the natural systems. Like we've seen like migratory patterns of immigrants be affected by heavy droughts that are happening in like yeah. Middle Eastern countries. We've seen as things are getting hotter, like a lot of these structures we thought that would be here forever, these kind of like systemic institutions we've created are crumbling because yeah. we are no match for yeah. the environment itself. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like as that starts to become more of a consciousness, it's going to be like now more than ever important to get people into nature. I know there's always this really heavy debate in environmental science um, where should we be protecting nature by blocking off lands and keeping them as they are and allowing this biodiversity or or should we be having more things like the national park? Should we have more land that is conserved and has rules, but people are still allowed in? Because there's a lot of talk versus, like, do we keep people out to protect it, or do we bring people in to remind them why they need to protect it? I'm almost and and it's conflicting. First one, it's it's conflicting, right? Because you want to make sure there is enough area that just can't 
be destroyed because I mean at this point it's there's not enough of it that exists anyway. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm very much kind of in the second camp <laughs> where I think you if need we to learn about it, if we were to bring more people into even if it was just through like the national park system in the U.S. like or I know other countries have their own park systems like if you were just to mm-hmm. bring people into nature more, just educate them even slightly or allow them that time to feel the connection that mm-hmm. we have to the natural world. I think we would move a lot quicker on environmental policy because people would be invested. Yeah, because it's not some like almost like mythological area that you'll never see. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I I agree with that. I think, um, I don't know. I I have a very like fatalistic idea where I'm just like, we need to just have a hard reset Mm. where it's just literally all ends and we can start over anew. But, and we were also talking about this last night, like, I think we're at this point, their environment where we, the damage is already pretty much done. We mm-hmm. just need to learn how to, like, live with this new yeah. world. And if that means, like, abandoning certain cities, like, you know. By Florida. By Florida. Yeah, <laughs> that should have been done a long time ago. But, like, <laughs> like you know, abandoning certain areas that just we can't live in anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, moving, you know, because when you really think about it, like, I love those statistics where it's, like, all of humanity could realistically fit in like the X amount of space. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we should do that. Maybe we should just make some sort of super city mm-hmm. like in the middle of some continent and then let everything else just kind of like mm-hmm. grow back and yeah. like be its own thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, obviously have this super city be environmentally friendly mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, power and energy. Yeah. But like, um, you know, maybe just have one big ass like, Everyone just moved to, like, fucking Wyoming. <laughs> I'm sure every human in the world can fit in that city. <laughs> or on every continent. Everyone just moves into a designated area and then lets everything else just grow back. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's in a fan. Ooh, that would be, like, a good plot for, like, a movie. That would be a good one. That would be an interesting science fiction mm-hmm. story about, like, them then, re- like, going back out into mm-hmm. the world that they allowed to regrow. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> You're my just like flowing, but like I'm also working on too many stories right now to like incorporate that one. No one steal that idea, by the way. I'm sure someone has written a story like that. But um, Annihilation. But um, have you seen that movie? I've read it. I read that. The book yeah. is amazing. Oh, it's the so movie's good. really good too. Was it? It's different, obviously. Mm-hmm. Movies from books are always different. Um, but it's still like on its own. It's like really good the movie. And when I I saw the movie first, and then I read the book, mm-hmm. and I read the book in a night. I was like, it's so good. Yeah, it moves so quick too. It does. I read the book in a, a day at the beach. Mm-hmm. Maya, Jonah, Ooh, that's a good place to read it. Yeah, no, Jonah had like he'd had the book for like forever because we stole it from our friend Miles, and then we like each were down the beach and he read it the first day and he was like, Oh, like it's, it's such a quick, like just do it. And I was like, cool. okay. So then I read it the next day. Yeah. By the third day we were down there. It's all we talked about. We yeah. were just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, I have so, I love it as a metaphor for like, um, recovery of like, or like, um, living with like depression. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I read it at least. Yeah. Like dealing with like mental problems. Anyway, everyone read annihilation. It's great. <laughs> um, didn't really get into the second book cause I have it. And like it changes. It's not like a, um, it changes like setting basically and mm-hmm. like story or like writing style. It's yeah. no longer like field log epistolary. Mm. It's just like third person point of view. Oh yeah. Like, I haven't read the second one. Yeah, yeah. It's not bad. I got it halfway through, but I always succumb to second book syndrome where I just like don't care anymore. Cause the first mm. book is always the best out of every like, series. And then I'm just like, man, I don't give a shit. But anyway, back to like nature while we wrap up. Um, I think that, we just need to learn to live with what we've done, <laughs> which is like that's where sounds we're sad. But like I said, la- we were talking about this last night while we were drunk, and I was like, <laughs> "Listen, the world's not going to end; it's just going to change. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's just going to change." And yeah, species are dying, but then I guess I've just I love watching like um, prehistoric documentaries, like about like prehistory and like um, paleontology and stuff. And it's just, like, ingrained in the um, theory of evolution that when something dies, another thing fills its spot. Mm -hmm. So, like, when the dinosaurs all died, the mammals took over. It's just kind of, like, 
yeah, things are dying and it's sad, obviously, because we're the cause of it. It's mm-hmm. not a natural cause. Yeah. But other things will fill the niche that was left behind. Mm-hmm. So who knows? In, in thousands of years, we could, like, you know, all the apex predators that we know of could be gone, but then, like, rats could evolve to, like, turn into giant apex predators. Like, mm-hmm. that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. Or, like, you know, house cats could, like, evolve to be mm-hmm. the next big cat, like, that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's kind of like I have a weird view of, like, change, especially when it comes to environment and biology and zoology, where I'm just like, it's not going to, quote-unquote, end. It's just going to change, and we're not going to be able to deal yeah. with it. Like, I, I think there's the going to be... There's going to be a threshold, right? And, and this is one of those unfortunate things where it's like you're not able to predict it. It'd be really, really nice to think that things will just change and life won't end yeah. entirely. Yeah. Um, we don't necessarily know if that would be the case. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always believe that even if life were to end completely, it'll, it, it'll, it, there, there's potential for it to revive listen, someday. I mean, we, we came from nothing. As right? long like, as there's one single cell that that survives, exactly. it'll start over again. Exactly. So things could always restart the... Where that becomes what could fall apart and kind of terrifying is if it becomes if it, it doesn't happen before there's like planetary disaster, mm-hmm. like if the Earth is just gone entirely engulfed by the sun, like obviously yeah. we're not starting again, yeah. or if it like um, because as like humans driving the climate crisis, we have thrown off some cycle where it's just not going to be able to recover or cycle back. Yeah. Like th- there are possibilities that there might not be a next cycle of yeah. life. Um, I think that's more unlikely than likely. I honestly think it's really unlikely because um, things like when you look into like earth's history, like it's been struck by asteroids. Mm-hmm. It's been like totally upheaved by volcanic activity. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, horrible things have happened to the planet and life always recovers. It'll just sync up to a different cycle in my mm-hmm. mind. So like there was one point where there was like, kind of the opposite of what's happening. There was like 30% more oxygen in the atmosphere than there is to mm-hmm. like in current times. So back then there were just giant bugs. Oh yeah. Everything had to be huge. Giant like... bugs. Like there was just giant predatory eagle sized dragonflies flying around. Mm-hmm. So like, who knows? Like we might be upsetting the cycle that has been in place for our time and like how it's been. Mm-hmm. The things will always, I think, especially when it comes to life, they'll always find a way to sync up to that new cycle. Yeah. It just be things like what's been synced up to the current cycle probably won't last. Oh, definitely not. I think it's all going to depend on uh, RK bacteria. The one, the like little bacteria that can survive in really extreme conditions, the ones yeah. you find in volcanoes and like It's going to be vents. shit at like the bottom of and, the like, ocean that mm-hmm. survives. And it's going to be shit like, honestly, I think it's going to be because. I think the next thing that's going to, um, in terms of life on earth, once like we're all gone, cause inevitably we're all going to be gone one day. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're not going to last forever. Yeah. That's just a fact. Like something would have happened. To- I always think about that too. I'm like, it was always going to be something guys like, mm-hmm. like random shit happens to planets all the time. Like, yeah, we're causing it, which is the great tragedy, mm-hmm. but like maybe we're just this current time periods version of the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. Like, we're just the asteroid now. Yeah. It sucks that we could have stopped it. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think, honestly, the next thing that's going to, like, fill up all the niches are going to be the bugs. Because they're just so – they're very adaptable. And their biodiversity is just so great that Mm -hmm. you can't get rid of them. So, like, when all the mammals die off and, like, all the, like, more complex – life dies up like it's gonna be the shit at the bottom of the ocean ocean and then the bugs that are gonna mm-hmm. take over oh it's which gonna is be creepy. it's gonna be all the like little eels that don't have any eyes and they're all gonna be like haha motherfuckers it's gonna, <laughs> like, it's gonna be all like the octopuses and squids that live on the bottom of the ocean mm-hmm. that are already incredibly intelligent honestly yeah i would not be surprised if like the octopus is like the next great species oh well, i would not be surprised well, they're so intelligent okay. i would not be surprised to at wrap all. it up watch um it's not, there's this documentary series about um, possible ways that um, animal life could evolve on Earth in the next. And so they had like five episodes, and one episode was like um, 500,000 years in the future. The next one was like a million, that was five mm-hmm. million. And the last one, which was 10 million, was giant octopi, like mm-hmm. um, cephalopods mm-hmm. swinging from trees like monkeys. 
And I it was kind that. of crazy. I love that. And it was very, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. <laughs> but um, and then there was one where like um, this was like one of the first episodes where it was only like five million years in the future or something, and it was like um whale birds so it was like flightless birds like penguins grew and came became basically completely aquatic and turned into like whales essentially Ooh. like giant whales yeah it's kind of crazy yeah go watch it that's interesting it'll it'll put your mind at ease about like all the changes mm-hmm. you're like life will find a way like we all watch jurassic park we know <laughs> but anyway i guess we should wrap up we've been talking a lot oh my gosh yeah. we have so much to talk about right. we'll have to have a part two an episode two where we get together and talk more about movies and shit. But anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Yeah, of New course. friends. Um, having fun. Hopefully next episode you're on, we can cook something. But, um, I'm anyway, a terrible cook, so maybe. <laughs> we'll balance it out. But thank you guys for listening. Please like and subscribe. And um, we'll see you um, on the next episode. So goodbye. Goodbye.